Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Shaped Ideas Podcast. I am your host, Sam, and today we're going to talk about a lot of different things. Um, a majority of them going to mainly revolve around the SARS-2 COVID-19 virus pandemic. Um, but some stuff other than that that we're going to talk about. Um, I got a, an interesting video that I'm not going to play, but I'm just going to talk about it. Um, I'll probably try and find a way to put the link up uh, either on social media or on, on the website or something along those lines. Um, part of my multiple step process slash plan to get um, more content out there to talk about and for you guys to get feedback on while also increasing the quality of the show. So we'll talk about that, and then I've got a Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine article that I uh, enjoyed a lot that we'll talk about, and then we're going to talk about sleep again, and then I've just got uh, some closing thoughts and comments that I'll um, kind of go over at the end. So without further ado, let's just jump right into it. So this will be quick. So this video that I thought was funny. I wish they had an article to go with it so I could just kind of talk about it a little bit more, but the the video is called Japanese Pub Installed Disinfectant Spraying Machine to Keep Diners Safe. So basically what it, what they did is they got this like little booth that they put at the front of the building or of the restaurant. So as soon as you walk in through the door, there's this kind of like this enclosed shelter that's got sprayers on both sides and it sprays you with like a disinfectant. Let's see what, uh, what's it called? It's like a type of acid, but it's like a safe acid, if you would believe that. <laughs> um, let's see, I wish you could be watching this too, but it's really cool. So it's like you, and you have to stand in it for 30 seconds and you walk in and it's already started and it is at the waist and at the head and it's called Hypo, hypochlorous acid water and I'm guessing that is probably found in a lot of different um, non-skin irritating uh, disinfectants so and I'm guessing that sanitizes your entire body and then it's basically completely like hands-free it's actually really cool how advanced the technology they use in this the um, the menus are like completely different there's there's a QR code that you scan on your phone and it brings up um, on your web browser the menu and then you can order from there and then the food will get brought out like it's it's really cool it's really cool how they're doing this and um, I just wanted to bring it up because I really like the idea and I kind of wish that um, like if that was an option here like if we could somehow implement that I don't know what the cost would be to implement that into like every bar and restaurant i'm sure it would be crazy expensive but i mean it's also crazy expensive for a lot of these restaurants to just not be open i mean in minnesota there's been lots of controversy some restaurants have just announced that they're just going to open that they're going to face the fines and face the the issues because they they can't afford to stay closed because if they stay closed any longer they won't open up ever again so yeah, I thought that was just a really cool, a really cool article, a really cool, like, idea, and I hope it catches on, to be honest. So, let's uh, move on. Nice short little, short little beginner segment, I, I guess, or beginner video. So, jumping into the next one, um, the Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine released an article uh, earlier this week called if restaurants can open in june will they and first before we even jump in uh yesterday governor walls of the governor of minnesota um walls he announced a big like four phase process and restaurants are not included in the first phase which starts in june so most i think how it's going to work is when restaurants can open they can only be open outside 
on like patio area so just outside in the elements um just outdoor in general and you can only have four people to a table um six if you're a family if you've got seven people in your family you're gonna have to leave someone in the car <laughs> that's something i added in that's not uh governor walls approved but i thought it was funny so and uh a big bummer for me, I was really hoping that at least some gyms would open, at least the one in my apartment. I really was hoping that Walls would set some guidelines some, to let um, to let gyms open on the first, and that's not going to happen. The, uh, the odds that they're allowed to open by the first of July are slim, so I'm very annoyed and very upset that, that is the case because I was I'm still going incredibly stir crazy and I just I haven't gotten into a good groove where I enjoy the body weight workouts that I've been doing in the kettlebell workouts I like kettlebells but having to do them every single week it's just really excruciating and like some of the things that I really enjoyed like this is gonna sound weird but like I really enjoyed doing tricep workouts I like the burn and I just I, I they were some of the workouts that I really enjoyed and I don't have the equipment to be able to do really any of those workouts any tricep related workouts the only one I can do is um, a bench like a bench dip where I would just put my feet on a chair and then I would do like a modified dip off of my couch <laughs> so so it's frustrating but I think I'm gonna have to be one of those uh, I think I'm gonna have to be one of those assholes that just works out like in a grassy area at their apartment because one of the reasons I, I don't really like doing the kettlebell workouts is because when you think of kettlebell workouts they're, they're pretty explosive you're, you're moving around you're tossing stuff you're jumping around like hitting the floor getting back up and you can't do that when you live on the fifth floor at five in the morning and you've got nosy neighbors below you that have already complained to not only you, but to management multiple times about you. So I can't really, I can't really do those types of workouts. So, oh yeah, at the beginning of the episode, I forgot to say, I'm drinking Folgers coffee today as always. Um, Folgers, if you're listening, which I know you are. Um, sponsor me. I'd love to be the official podcast of uh, Folgers Coffee. I imagine that if that ever comes through, I'm just gonna shit a brick. <laughs> that would be so cool if you get like Folgers as the as the sponsor. I just think that would be really fun. All right. So sidetracks aside, let's uh, jump into this article. Uh, if restaurants can open in June, will they? So I already squashed the idea that in Minnesota they can open. Maybe other places they can, but... Um, so, starting the article. Big surprise from Gov Governor Coach Walls Wednesday. Dropping the news that the stay-at-home Minnesota... Or the hashtag stay-at-home Minnesota was lifted and replaced with the hashtag stay safe Minnesota. Which, if I'm being brutally honest, um, nothing has really changed between the two. Um, because he came out with this phasing process that basically keeps everything closed, more or less. I mean, there's some things that are allowed to be open, but there's still a lot that aren't. So it's basically he's just rebranding it to sound better um, and kind of trick your mind into thinking that um, he's improving things while, or he's opening things and things are improving while at the same time keeping everyone quarantined. So... Um, let's see. Retail can open May 18th at 50% capacity while salons, barbershops, restaurants, and bars are looking at a possible June 1 open. He mentioned pulling together a task force to work on safety regulations for reopening those, establ those establishments which could come by the end or come by the 20th. Honestly, I did not expect June 1. I had been talking with restaurant people earlier in the day, and we thought a June 13 open would be the earliest date we might hear. 
I can't tell you how fractured the emotional range of restaurant people seems right now, from owners to workers, you roll in eaters, drinkers, and supporters, and it's far, far from easy to put ourselves in anyone else's shoes. I thought I would be more ready. I thought a date like that would, uh, would, would make me feel optimistic. I can honestly say that I swing wildly from fear of losing everything to fear of losing everyone uh, and back again. And yeah, I'm a master of the universe, so it's all tinged with a sense of how I might manifest this best for everyone. Um, and this is just the, and then just this person who's writing this is Stephanie March. Um, and pretty much all of, uh, Everyone on the Minneapolis St. Paul is basically like an opinion piece. It's they're not like super story driven or super fact driven. It's more so opinion oriented. Um, so you will hear a lot of like her opinion and her thoughts and, and stuff interjected. And that's not a bad thing. I'm just I'm just pointing that out just so it doesn't sound so confusing that I'm bringing up an article um, that is more of them talking about what they think rather than kind of what the facts are but the main reason I wanted to bring up this article is let me just because this is a longer article and I'm not gonna jump into it completely but uh I'm just gonna pull up right here let's see if I can find it so they put a uh an embed of a Instagram post from I don't know which owner Let's see, does it say, I don't know. I don't want to bore you with the details, but so it was an owner and he posted on Instagram, every owner will have to make the decision whether they can open and operate effectively or to stay on the interim program they decided upon. For me, as of now, all three of my restaurants are planning on to go only until June 28th. We are, t we are all taking 10 days vacation and then, question mark, um, I was just reading about it. Where was it? I really liked what he had to say, and I wanted, and it kind of exemplified what I felt. Here we go. I think. Let's see. Um, I've heard from lots of workers that they feel like they're being asked to risk their health. For what amounts to minimum wage not to mention that with the likely reduced hours and volumes there's not much there's not that much incentive for tipped employees to get back too soon and risk losing the unemployment benefits that are currently making their rent it's a huge gamble with many factors beyond their control honestly i can't blame them a chef told me but said i couldn't use their name i am trying to get guys back and they'd only be making a little more than they are right now. It's hard to sign up for the amount of work they're taking, they're talking about to get back open. I have to offer them double. And that's not what I wanted to say, but that is another big, that's another big thing that kind of concerns me about this. When this is all over and people actually are allowed to go back to work, what what is going to stop people from just staying on unemployment? Because the, un the unemployment benefits right now are insane. And what's going to stop people from just staying on unemployment? You're incentivizing people to not work. And I understand during this time, people don't want to risk their health. I may disagree with that a little because I don't think people who are in the working class will get this and get sick. Some might, but a majority won't. Regardless, if you incentivize people to not look for a job and to not work, when this is all over and people can work and it's safe to work or safer to work, people are going to say, F that, I like not having to work and getting paid to not work, I'm going to stay on this. And you've heard so many cases like that where people just stay on unemployment because it's more effective and it, they make more money than working minimum wage jobs like people who don't have an education and can't 
can't get a higher salary or a higher hourly hourly pay. That person working at McDonald's that's 35, 40 years old, they're not gonna go back to McDonald's again making minimum wage or a couple bucks above minimum wage. They're just gonna stay on unemployment because they might see a small bump or they might see a small um, downgrade in pay, but at the same time, they're not working no more. So they got like unlimited amounts of things that they can do while still getting paid to not do anything. So like that's something that concerns me greatly is, is are people going to end up just staying on unemployment when people are allowed to go back to work? And it, yeah, it's, um, it makes me wonder. It really makes me wonder. All right, back to the article. I did just find it um, while I was ranting. I was able to find it. It actually is actually just in his little Instagram embed. Uh, is his description. So his description is, "Love you all. I just, I just want to take care of you. Sometimes that means I need to be patient. I'm not good at being patient. For now, though, it seems we've landed on a decision to stay in to go mode until the end of June." Then my team and I need a rest. This is exhausting. We need a minute to heal. We need a minute to contemplate what is happening and what has happened. Then, when it's right, we'll see you again. I will hug you. I will hug you if you let me, or I will bow in your presence, my queens. I don't know what that means, but we were not made to do this, but we are doing it anyway. We choose how we handle this, even if that which is forced upon us good luck with your choice and i really like i don't know who this owner is but i immediately like him because here's the thing this is and i don't know if i've been good enough at communicating this but my stance on this whole thing even though i disagree with these lockdowns and i don't think that this i don't think that this virus is as contagious and is as deadly as everyone makes it out to be i don't think it's something that needs to be feared as much as it is but people have the right to make their own decisions and that's what this restaurant owner did he's choosing to stay closed he's allowed to do that and he should be allowed to do that and then he's going to take 10 days off and let his his crew take 10 days off of vacation and rest. And then they'll come back and reevaluate. They're not forced to do that, but they're forced to be shut down. And I think that 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 this post just kind of helps me portray my point and how I feel about it. I don't think that the government should have quarantined us down because I think that we are responsible enough as Americans to be able to make our own decisions for ourselves and the small business owners are able to make the decisions for themselves and for their customer base to make it safe. And that's kind of what he's just decided. He could easily just continue like once Governor Walls opens things up, he, he could have people sitting in the dining room sitting on the patio and just moving as always but he's choosing not to because he believes in something else and how things are going and that's the trajectory that he's taking his businesses and i really like that even if i don't agree with it i really like what he's doing and when this is all over i'm going to find out what restaurants he's at, he has and i'm going to go to them so um, that's really the main point of this article that i wanted to bring up other than the fact that I did kind of want to give a give a shout out to the Minneapolis St. Paul or uh, magazine, I, it's a good it's a good publication. It's um, I like it a lot in uh, a lot of different ways. It's you won't find a lot of um, like fact based journalism or anything like that. It's not a uh, it's not like a news source like a like a Fox News or a CNN or uh, like a Reuters or AP. It's not anything like that. It's more um, it's more like a magazine, like a Rolling Stones or like a, um, like any of those like niche market things. So it's just a lot of articles, interviews, 
um, talking about upcoming events in Minnesota, uh, stuff like that. And it, I, I get a lot of my information about uh, upcoming events, um, new bars and restaurants, um, a lot of stuff like that I get from the Minneapolis-St. Paul business mate. Or uh, I keep wanting to say business, but it's not. The Minneapolis-St. Paul magazine. Um, and it's really good. I like their, I like their, um, their staff actually a lot. The two people I like the most are actually this lady, uh, Stephanie Marge. I really like her. And then, um, oh, what's the other lady's name? Her last name is like Grumdahl or something like that. Dara Grumdahl, I think. Let's see if I can find her. Just so I, maybe not. Well, anyway, so yeah, those are, yeah, that's my little, my little shill to, uh, to that. All right. Jumping into the next article, um, I found an interesting Washington Post article. And I don't normally jump on the Washington Post, but this was sent to me through one of my uh, RSS feeds into my email. And I thought it was really interesting. I thought it, um, it, it pointed out something that I hadn't really thought of about this, about uh, the, the reopening of the economy. So this is a, um, I liked it. Uh, the need to go is a barrier to going out. Why public bathrooms are a stumbling block for reopening. And um, the whole article, I'm not really going to go deep into it, um, but because it's a really long article. It's one thing I don't like about Washington Post is that their articles are really, really heavy. They're not they're not short reads by any means but just the headline alone made me um made me think about it and that that alone made was enough for me to kind of like the article a little bit um because like I never thought about that because for me like I grew up in the country I mean we were clean to an extent but like not to the standards that are held in the cities by any means like it was definitely a, a culture shock for me Kind of seeing how clean things were when I did move to the cities from, from where I lived. And uh, I never really thought that that would be an issue, but I guess, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, or after thinking about it a little bit, I'm like, yeah, you know what, you're right. It's after people, uh, after this thing starts to subside and people can go out again, people are still like they still want to do commerce but they don't want to they they want to limit the their risk of infection like as much as possible and and I understand that again I disagree with it but I understand that because I don't think there is as much of a as much of a, a risk as as people are being led to believe um, I think the media is kind of blowing things a little out of proportion but regardless again so, something that I'm trying to convey today is is that there's a lot of things that I may not agree with on how things are being handled, but I understand. And I, I understand and I empathize with people's fears about this. Because while I don't believe that there needs to be that much fear placed into this disease and this virus, but I understand where they're coming from and why people would be concerned. So it makes sense on why people would not want to um, go back out because, yeah, like no one, I mean, I can't control my bowels. <laughs> I can't control when I need to use the bathroom. And I doubt anyone else can either. So I'm not surprised that maybe this is a barrier. People would rather just stay home because they can't guarantee when they need to use the bathroom and no one wants to use public restrooms right now. No one does. Regardless, of, I mean, the restrooms right now are going to be the cleanest you will ever see them. You could eat a cake off a urinal cake. Like, I mean, I'm exaggerating, but like, it's going to be, those bathrooms are going to be so spotless right now. They are going to be the, they'll probably be more sanitary 
they'll be sanitized more often than the tables that you eat the food on because of everything that's happening. Regardless, the fear is still there and that will be a big barrier to entry for a lot of people right now. I think you'll see a lot of, uh, going forward, I think you'll see a lot of companies, kind of like when this first started, you saw a lot of companies putting news, um, not newsletters, but um, announcements from their CEO about what they're planning to do for um, this SARS-2 COVID-19 uh, epidemic, what their thoughts are, what their plans are, um, their announcements, you know, they, they are their customer base is their number one priority in their safety and blah, 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 what their plans are, how they're going to how they're going to move forward and, and adapt. I think you're going to see a lot of that with this as well. You're going to see a lot of advertisements or at least a lot of uh, marketing and announcements about how often they're going to be cleaning their bathrooms. Um, like in this article, they talked about a Texas, I think it was Texas. Yeah. A Texas barbecue right here in the article a Texas barbecue restaurant reopened only after hiring for a new job category a bathroom monitor who assures that people waiting their turn are spaced well apart in Florida malls in Florida malls are installing touch-free sinks and hand dryers in restaurants before opening their doors McDonald's is requiring franchisees to clean bathrooms every 30 minutes across the country every 30 minutes Across the country, businesses are replacing blow dryers with paper towels, decommissioning urinals that now seem too close together, and removing restaurant doors to create airport-style no-touch entries. So, in the main one is the barbecue one. I just think that's so crazy. That one of the, can you imagine that being your job occupation? People are like, oh yeah. So what? What do you do? Like, what are you doing right now? Oh, I'm a, I'm a bathroom monitor. Wait, what? You work at a you were going to middle school? I thought schools were closed. No, 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 no. Not like that. Like like a bathroom monitor. I just stand by the bathroom and I monitor, make sure everyone is standing six feet apart and, and make sure it's staying clean. And like, ugh, that just sounds so weird. Like, I understand it's needed and whatever, but it's just, it's a funny thing to say out loud. But hey, that might be a key to restarting everything. I mean, it's possible. I wouldn't be surprised if more companies, when things start to subside and they can reopen, that they will have an employee like actively monitoring the bathroom situation and what's going on in the bathrooms to make sure that it's spotless, that it's clean, that everyone, because I mean, in any, in any building, regardless if it's a restaurant or a mall or a big box store or an airport, all bathrooms are going to be the most confined space in that business or in that building alone so i can understand why they would want to make that place as spotless and as clean as possible because that doesn't offer the six feet that's required i mean i can't tell you how many bathrooms i've seen that are like has an occupancy of like five or six but i could like touch both sides of the bathroom with my wingspan so like it's there it's crazy but this is definitely going to be where um, where people are moving, I think. And I think going forward, we are going to see a, a major shift in like bathroom policies and, and etiquette and, and stuff like that. I think a lot of, I don't think you're going to see, for the guys, I don't think you're going to see troughs. <laughs> I don't think you're going to see urinal troughs anymore. Those are not a thing. Um, I think you're going to see far less capacity for the amount of space that's in there. So I think if you've got a decent size, like bathroom space that could fit normally five urinals, you may see three in there, like most. And for women, I mean, they'll probably have half the amount of stalls as normal. It may be a little different because there's the barriers. I don't know. I don't know how that kind of goes, but... But yeah, so I think you'll that'll kind of be one of the cultural shifts is um, bathrooms for women. Their, their bathroom lines are going to be exponentially longer than they used to be, than they already were, to be honest. I mean, the bathrooms were already big, long for, for the uh, women's bathrooms. I can only imagine how it's going to be now. But uh, um, just a couple excerpts from this article. 
person talking, let's see, Laura Maxwell was just talking about a uh, drive-in. I believe she owns the drive-in. Bathrooms are a problem, she said. They're huge contact places, and if you're shedding the virus, it'll be all over. Maybe they could just open up without bathrooms, and people would know in advance and make the decision not to go or to where it depends. <laughs> and I mean, hey, that's a, that's another that's another option. I mean, maybe people just decide, hey, I mean, maybe not that it depends, but I don't think people are that. I don't think people are there yet. I don't think people are willing to do that yet. I'm definitely not. F that. No, I'm out of dog. No, thank you. But maybe that's the case. Maybe you just make announcements or at least have it at the be in, at the front of the restaurant or the movie theater or wherever that says, hey, bathrooms are shut down. No one's allowed to go to the bathrooms under any circumstances. That's the case. If you don't like it, go home. That might be a good option. So honestly, that's probably one of the better options. If if that if this is going to be a main barrier to not getting people to or not being able to open back up, I mean, hey, shut all the bathrooms down. F it. It's fine with me. Let the businesses open is what I'm saying. And... If, if you have to take that away, take the bathrooms away, I'll take that trade. Just let them open. If people are going to bitch, let them bitch. All right. I've kind of, um, yeah, I've kind of said everything that I want. Let's jump into, let's see, where is it? There it is. We're going to talk again about sleep. And I found this article. This article was also in the same RSS feed that I got sent to me that the uh, the WAPO article was in. And it's called Plot Twist. The key to better sleep is not a bedtime, it's a wake-up time. Let's face it, many of us are sleep-deprived. According to a study done by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, and I'm sure you guys all know my thoughts on the Center for Disease Control and Prevention and, and Prevention, I'm sure you all know from last episode how much I um, respect them and um, and their studies. So, which is absolutely none. I don't respect them at all. I don't think they're a good organization. But according to a study done by the CDC, uh, one in three adults don't get the recommended seven or more hours of healthy sleep. I guess I'm one of them because I don't get seven hours of sleep which can lead to a number of health problems, including diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, stroke, and frequent mental distress. The only one I could see me getting anytime soon is frequent mental distress, and that's not from me not sleeping. And I'm just gonna leave it at that. (laughs) Sleep is important, but it turns out that the secret to getting the best sleep isn't going to bed at the exact same time each night. It's actually the opposite. Waking up at the same time will help will help you get optimal sleep at night, says Michael Brewis, PhD, clinical psychologist and author of The Sleep Doctor's Diet Plan. Our circadian rhythm, the internal clock that runs our sleep and wake cycle, resets every morning. To get in sync with the reset, Browse explains that you should focus on this being the most consistent in your sleep routine over a consistent bedtime to feel the most well-rested. With that in mind, we asked Browse to walk us through the ways we can set our internal clock to consistent wake-up time. Read on for his advice. So his first tip is to set several alarms. This tip seems obvious, but it's important to train your body and wake up at the same time every morning with the help of a good old alarm. Pick a time that makes the most sense to you in your lifestyle. A, a wake-up time that doesn't, or uh, a wake-up time doesn't have to be early to be appropriate, Browse says, and set the alarm every morning. Browse even suggests having a second or third alarm placed across the room to force you to get up to turn it off. Your body will begin to adjust in 7 to 10 days, and after 28 days, you should be completely used to your new set wake-up time. No snooze necessary. And that's kind of where I've gotten. I mean, I definitely have fallen off the bandwagon um, since this SARS-2 pandemic has hit. But 
Um, before that, I was waking up before my alarm more often than not, to be honest. Um, I wake up around 4 a.m. And before this happened, probably a good month for a month, uh, a month long time span before this happened, um, so basically all of, uh, all of February, I was waking up 10 to 20 minutes before my alarm. Cause I had just gotten in that pattern in such a good pattern that I was like, I was waking up before my alarm. Now I wouldn't actually get up at that time. <laughs> no, 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 no. I would lay in bed after that. I'm not, I already wake up effing early. I don't need to wake up earlier. The second uh, piece of advice is have a realistically consistent bedtime. And this is something I've always struggled with. Um, having a set wake up time doesn't mean you can regularly go to bed late and still feel well rested. Your bedtime is still connected to your wake up time and you should always aim to get enough sleep every night. Browse explain. The difference here is that if you're keeping good sleep habits, your body will be more forgiving if you have the occasional late night or two. If your sleep is consistent, having a crappy night is not as bad as it would be if your sleep schedule was inconsistent, he says. And that's kind of nice to hear from for me because usually how it goes is I'll sleep really well or I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go to bed at a decent time and I'll wake up at the same time almost every single day except for uh, Friday night and Saturday morning. So that's usually my, my night where I go to bed extra late and I either wake up late or really late is uh, that Friday night, Saturday morning. He also suggests coming to a better sense of understanding and acceptance of whether you're a night person or a morning person. This gives you a better understanding of training yourself to wake up at a certain time. And I'm definitely a morning person, as hence the 4 a.m. Um, I don't like staying up late. I prefer, I much prefer mornings. Even when I worked, when I worked overnights, it was awful. I hated when I had days off and I knew I had to stay up until 4 a.m. I hated it. I wanted to go to bed so bad. I wasn't even tired and I wanted to go to bed. Like I was wide awake and I would just lay in bed just staring at the ceiling and I'm like, ugh, I don't want to do anything. I just want to go to bed late. <laughs> I think that's kind of just hardwired from life or just, I don't know. My family is just, um, is full of morning people. My wife is actually the first person who's not, she is a morning person, but she's not a morning person like me. <laughs> like I'm a different breed of morning people. Like most morning people are like, oh yeah, I'd like to wake up at 7. Like I'm a morning person. Whereas a person who's a night person, they're like, yeah, I wake up at like 9 or 10 a.m. For me, it's like I'm a morning person. I wake up at 4 a.m. People are like, you're a crazy person. Why would you do that? <laughs> so his third piece of advice is keep naps short and sweet. If you're sleeping at the right time and getting the right amount of sleep, you shouldn't need a nap. But if you are a nap enthusiast, don't stress about giving up the habit. If you do need to doze off for a bit, Browse recommends doing so in the afternoon between 1 p.m. and 3 p.m. for 25 minutes tops. In the afternoon, your body temperature drops and releases melatonin. If your nap surpasses 25 minutes, your transition, you transition into a deep sleep, which will probably make you feel less refreshed. And that is an issue that I've always had, and that's why I've always hated naps, because I don't have the mental gumption to get my ass up after those 25 minutes. And then I end up slipping into deep sleep and then I feel groggy as shit and I just wish I wouldn't have done it at all. His fourth piece of advice is to consider supplements. If you need to take something to ensure a good night's sleep, you might want to think about taking supplements. Studies show that taking melatonin can improve sleep quality and Browse also suggests considering a dietary supplement like Cerovital Advanced, which contains an amino, an amino renewal complex that works synergistically to improve sleep. Just remember to listen to your body and consult with your physician before beginning any new supplement. So there you have it, four simple ways. Well, one, two, three, four. Oh yeah, four. Okay. I'm like, I thought there was a fifth one, but I guess not. So 
This was written by Domino, or this was published on Domino. Who wrote it? Let me give them credit. This was pretty good. Audrey Noble from Domino.com, I guess. And I don't know. Again, I got it from an RSS feed, so I'm not actually on their website, but. But yeah, I kind of gave um, the sleep thing a hard time last episode. Or a few episodes back, I think, is when we talked, when I talked about sleep. So, um, I like this because it kind of makes a lot of sense. Just from an anecdotal standpoint for myself. Because even when I get not a lot of sleep, it still seems like a good idea to wake up at 4. Like, I could, I usually try and go to bed at 10 so I can get a full 6 hours. And if I go to bed later than that, I try my best to still wake up at 4 because it just feels right. And it, when I do wake up at 4, when I've had a late night, I'm groggy. But I'm, I'm still like, I don't know, it's like a weird sensation. Like for 15 minutes of that morning, even though I'm tired and I don't want to get up, like my eyes are awake, my brain is active and like moving. But like my body doesn't want to move. When I get like a full six, my body wants to move and my brain wants to move. But like when I get less than six and I wake up at four, I'm still like my brain is ready, ready to do something. My body just doesn't want to. It wants to lay in bed. And usually when I don't get the full six, I'll, I'll lay in bed until I get roughly six. And that's usually what I've always tried to live by. But, but yeah, it was... I like this article. It was... Um, it brought up some interesting points. I actually might consider doing um, melatonin just to kind of maybe slip into a deeper sleep a little faster. Uh, my mom and my mother-in-law both take melatonin, so, and they have nothing but good things to say about it, so maybe I will give that a shot too, just to try and maybe increase um, the effectiveness of my sleep cycles, and I kind of like the, the uh, what they said about the naps, and um, I usually don't take a lot of naps, the times when I, when I do take a lot of naps is, it's not even a lot, the time that I do take naps is usually after a long run, um, especially the last couple of weeks, uh, usually on Saturdays I'll take a long run, and that's usually around like 10 miles. 10 miles or more is usually what I consider a long run. And uh, lately, the last couple of weeks, whenever I do it, I get really sleepy really fast right after I do it. So I end up taking a nap, and that nap usually spans an hour, and I just feel like I got hit with a Mack truck, and I don't want to get up. So maybe what I'll do is I'll try and start implementing where I only lay there for 25 minutes. So I try and get just 25 minutes of nap time in. And maybe I can kind of feel a little refreshed after doing that. But I don't know. Maybe that's a different case. Because in that case, it's, I'm not going because I'm like sleep deprived. It's because I'm just tired and my body wants to rest. So maybe it's kind of like a different... Maybe there's a different remedy to that than, than taking taking naps. But... Um, let's jump into the next one. I've got articles for days, I tell you what, honestly. <laughs> let's, uh, oh, this one. I like this one. Um, so, as I've stated before, I uh, studied abroad in Hong Kong for four months, uh, a handful of years ago, and uh, I like this headline from the South China Morning Post. Once again, that's the, uh, that's the the news outlet that had the Japanese pub installing the the sanitizer room thing that I talked about at the beginning of the show. Um, and they announced, let's see, yesterday uh, with this headline, Coronavirus, Hong Kong records another infection-free day as relaxing of social distancing measures set to continue. Wednesday marks the third consecutive day without a confirmed case after three were imported from Pakistan on Sunday now I just like I won't go over and I won't really go over it I just wanted to bring it up because I, I really liked that Hong Kong recorded its third consecutive day without having any infections 
um, that's a huge like thing to be able to say about your country. It's a huge thing to be able to announce, especially considering that we just hit five million cases today. Uh, at the time of this recording, we hit, we've gone over five million confirmed cases. Almost two million are completely recovered. There's been 328,242 total deaths. God damn, that is a lot. Holy crap. And I'm sure the, uh, the number of cases, the number of recovered, and the number of deaths are all just skewed incorrectly because we don't know what the hell China is saying. We don't know if they're actually telling the truth or if they're uh, fudging the numbers or what. But I really wanted to bring that up. I, uh, I liked it. I like, seeing, I like seeing Hong Kong do well. <laughs> It holds a special place in my heart. I really enjoyed being there. The people were so nice, so friendly. Um, when I was trying to learn Cantonese, I'm, I'm trying to get back into learning Cantonese again because I, I hate that I let it slip and I lost all of that information. So I want to try and learn the, learn the language again. It's a very difficult language to learn, I'm my dad. But um, when I was learning the language and I was trying to speak Cantonese um, at restaurants and at the, at the food markets and stuff, they were all very... Um, um, they were all very patient with me, which was really nice. So, as compared to some of the uh, some of the things you hear about uh, French people, that French people are just assholes to people who try to learn their language. I've heard that a lot, which totally makes me want to learn their language. You know, just, why would I want to learn the language when French people are just going to be assholes when you try and speak to them in French? I don't know. It seems like it seems kind of weird. Like you'd think. If, like, if someone, like, for me, if someone's trying to learn English, I'm going to try and be as accommodating as possible. It's, I mean, it, it can be frustrating, don't get me wrong. Like, it can be frustrating at times when you're speaking with someone who doesn't know English very well and you're trying to work with them. It can be frustrating, but at the same time, there's a very large level of respect that I have for that person who's willing to put themselves out there like that to accomplish something. Like, I respect that. It's something that I still struggle with. Like, when I was there, I was so afraid and so scared of talking in Cantonese because it was still so unfamiliar to me, and it was, like, I wasn't good at it, and I was embarrassed. So when I would try and talk, it just ended up being even more embarrassing, and I would end up just, out of, like, instinct to not feel embarrassed, I would just revert back to speaking in English. So... I give a lot of kudos to people who are trying to learn English, especially English, because English is a hard language to learn. It's full of inconsistencies. Um, so I give people a lot of respect. But regardless. Um, but yeah. I think that, and I think that about does it for uh, the articles. I had a couple more, but um, I didn't really vet them too much. Maybe I'll bring them up in the, uh, the following episode, because they do kind of merit um, a little bit of talking and there are some good talking points that I can bring up on it, but this kind of brings us, this brings us to the, uh, the final segment. And this is just going to be me kind of having a little bit of a conversation with you guys and just bouncing something off of you. And, uh, yeah. So what I don't understand is, and I've talked about this throughout this episode. This this has kind of been the theme is um, is the opening of the economy again, specifically the American economy is what I'm talking about. Um, I don't understand is what I don't understand is why is there why there's such an issue with nothing being allowed to reopen and why they want to keep everything closed down. I don't understand it. I firmly believe that giving the power to the people is always going to be better than giving it to the government. Always. I don't care what it is. I'm, that's always going to be my stance. There's going to be very few exceptions where I think the government can govern over us better than we can govern over ourselves. People who don't want to go to the gym or a restaurant or a bar or anywhere that is closed right now. They can stay home. They don't have to go anywhere. They don't have to go out. We're not forcing you to go to these places when they open up. 
but we are forcing you to stay home. And that we, they are forcing you to stay home. The government is forcing you to stay home. They're not forcing you to go out. It's not going to be when things ease and they're allowed to reopen, they're going to say, all right, now everyone here in America is forced to go to a bar or restaurant and pay patronage to a bar or restaurant. That's not happening. The vast majority of people dying in these nursing, or uh, people dying are from nursing homes and long-term care facilities. And those people aren't going anywhere. Most people who are in those types of facilities, I mean, they might go for a walk or they might, they might be in like a compound or not a compound. That sounds weird. A complex. They might be in like a complex where there's like a place where they can walk around or like a running track or something like that, um, that they can kind of get activity in or, or whatever. But like, they aren't going to a Walmart. They aren't going to a Target. They aren't going to these, like, bars and restaurants and, and like, thrift stores or liquor stores. They're not going to these places. The workers are bringing the virus in to these people. So, but what I, I'm not saying, what I'm not saying that we need to close the facilities down and, and shut all the workers in. I'm not saying that. But what I am trying to portray is that this virus isn't affecting people who are at the bar right now, who are going to the liquor store, going to a restaurant. People who get sick and die don't get it from someone at the Target, at the local Target, at the local Walmart. And by the way, something, like, something about Targets and Walmarts I think it's really wrong that they get to just run roughshod over their competition because no one can buy local or buy from their competitor. Like I, they're allowed to stay open because they're considered essential because they have a grocery store. And I think I ranted about this a little bit last week or, or the episodes prior to last week. Um, but I, I just think it's really, I think it's really wrong for you to allow a target to stay open because they have a grocery department, but keep their entire store open. But you won't let Best Buy be open. You won't let American Eagle be open. You won't let Kohl's be open, JCPenney be open. None of those places can be open, but they sell the same goods that Target does, but they don't have a grocery department. I think if when this first started, if they really wanted this to work out, and they really wanted to show no bias. And I don't think the government's really showing bias to these big corporations. They might be. I wouldn't put it past them with the big like corporate lobbying that companies like Target and, and Walmart do, especially Walmart. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a little, a little bit of that uh, in there. But if they really wanted to make this a little, like a little better and not completely monopolize the competition for Target and Walmart's gain, um, they should have made those two big companies completely wrap off or like section off that part of their store. Like if, if, if what makes you essential is that you're a gro that you have a grocery department, you shouldn't be allowed to sell electronics or clothes or kitchen utensils for that matter. You should only be allowed to sell food. And the thing that frustrates me right now, and this is just for me personally, like I need I need new clothes right now. Like I've ran out of blue jeans. All my blue jeans, I can't wear blue jeans with holes in them to work. But I'm allowed to wear blue jeans right now, and I want to take advantage of that because I usually have to wear business attire. But I can't wear anything because all of my blue jeans have holes in them. And I might be forced to have to buy blue jeans from a Target or a Walmart soon because... I have nothing, I, I don't have jeans to wear. And I'm sure you're probably thinking, well, you can just buy online. Well, two things. One, it's gonna take at least a week, and I'm not that patient. And two, I'm a weirdly proportioned guy. Like, the odds of me being able to find a pair of jeans that fit without ever trying them on are pretty much zero and then if they don't fit then I have to do the whole process over again and I got to return them and that's not even 
and there might be a possibility that I'm, I don't get another pair that fits me again. And then most likely, because I've already returned one thing right away, I'm probably going to have to pay shipping on that return. And then I'm out money. And that's just, it's just frustrating. It's just frustrating, I tell you what. Also, by shutting down Target and Walmart's competition, now the Targets and Walmarts of the world are seeing massive amounts of people in their store. Like, when this first started happening, and they only allowed, like, Sam's Club, Costco, Walmart, like, the big boxes that have food, when they were allowed to be open, like, the parking lots were packed to the gills, packed to the gills with people. Tell me that's not safer than going to your local grocery store. Like, I'd, I'd love I'd love to hear someone argue about going to a Target with over 100 people in the store is more dangerous, or um, is less dangerous than going to a bar or restaurant that can't even pack that many people in the building. Way more things are getting touched in a Target than there ever would be in a bar. Or a boutique shop. Or just insert whatever business. I'm giving a bunch of different examples because I don't want to just single out one company. Because any what I'm basically trying to say is like the companies that are allowed to be open are kind of running roughshod over the competition and people who aren't allowed to open. So I'm just trying to throw in a bunch of different examples here and there. But if you let their competitors open, things wouldn't get so crammed. Home Depot and Menards are always packed. There's always a line. I've gone to Home Depot like four or five times during this quarantine. And I've always had to wait in line. There's always been a lot of people in the store. But if you let Hardware Hank and Ace Hardware open, which aren't allowed to be open right now, that probably wouldn't be the case because people would go there too. People would know that people aren't going to those stores, so they would go there instead. But back to my original point. Why do people think opening things is such a bad idea now i understand you don't want to get anyone sick and you don't want to transfer to anyone you love but if you're that worried don't go outside don't go to the gym don't go to the bar don't go to the restaurant don't go to your local pet store or your liquor store get everything delivered like workers who deal with people highly susceptible to the virus stay at home Stay at the facility you work in if you can. Like, I'd be more than happy if the government passed legislation or something in this, in this next round of stimulus bill because the House just passed, like, a $3 trillion stimulus package. And it's going to get over to the, the Senate now, I believe, or vice versa. I can't remember. Whatever. Um, I'd be more than happy if a large, like, a third of that or a quarter of that was just to be able to pay essential workers to stay at their facility, like nurses, um, like the long-term care facilities, like the, the places where everyone's dying. Like 99 point, or no, 80% of people in Minnesota that have died from this are, are in long-term care facilities. And if you, and 99.24% of people who have died in Minnesota from this are either in a long-term care facility, a nursing home, or had had pre-existing conditions. I would be more than happy to pay these nurses triple to stay in the complex and then give money to those nursing homes to be able to fund bringing in supplies, bringing in food, bringing in cleaning supplies, like stuff like that. But like they can be sectioned off and quarantined and, and they can stay until this stuff starts to die off and the rest of us can can start to like restart the economy so we don't fall into a depression because that's where we're going right now. We're already in a recession. Like this has turned into a recession. And we're trying desperately to not turn it into a depression. We saw we saw the economy get gains that were the biggest we've ever seen in our lifetimes and we all just and, and they, they just shut it all down i firmly believe if we opened up 
everything back up, we would self-regulate far better than the government would regulate us. I've spoken with a bunch of my colleagues at work, and they love going to the gym, but they're but this whole thing has gotten them scared. It's gotten them worried. And I'm not saying their scares and worries are factless. Like, I understand. If it opened tomorrow, they wouldn't go. They would wait. And I know that's just anecdotal, but it still counts. And I think more people feel that way than you think. Like, we saw it in Georgia. When everything opened back up, there were stories. I saw a story about an axe throwing company that had like multiple stores or multiple shops across the country. And when they opened up their Georgia store, I think he's, they said like they maybe had a handful of customers the entire weekend, the first weekend that everything opened back up. That's it. Like people will self-regulate themselves. A lot of companies saw none of their customer base come back. And it was devastating for them. But that also shows you that the government doesn't have to keep us locked in their house. You can trust, they can trust us to do the right thing. Because they already showed, the people in Georgia are way more like boisterous about getting things going than us in Minnesota are. Let me tell you that. I think people are willing, I think people understand the risk and are willing to take it. Give people their personal freedom back. We can be cautious while doing it, but give them back. It's not the government's job to babysit us. We're not children. We can handle this risk without a spike in cases and keep the economy from completely imploding on itself. I, I really do think that we can make this work. Like, if, if they just relax everything and they allow everything to open, I think the people will regulate themselves. Like, my wife, she doesn't want to go places when they open. Like, we were talking about, I was telling her, like, let's, I, I need to go jean shopping when this everything's open. She's like, I, can we wait until, like, the weekend? Not, like, let's not go the Monday, the day it opens, everything opens back up. Can we wait until the weekend? I, I don't want to go out that day. I And I think... People feel the same way. People are going to stagger coming out. I don't I don't believe that everyone's just going to pack themselves in like sardines at a bar or at a restaurant or a thrift store or, or whatever. They're going to regulate themselves. This is a calculated risk. Someone can, for themselves, not the government to decide, weigh the risk of going outside and getting SARS-2 or having a beer. They can weigh that risk to reward. They can weigh having, having a beer over this, working out, going camping. If the risk is worth the reward, then go for it. That's your right to decide that for yourself. If it isn't, then stay home. If the risk, if the reward of going camping, getting a beer, being able to do things again, if that, if the risk of getting this disease is too high for you, don't go outside then. Don't go to those places. It's a calculated risk. We, we, we do that every day when we drive our car. Is it worth driving right now because there's a chance that I could be killed in this vehicle today? But you don't force people to stay home. Riots are going to start if you continue to keep people at home. And thank goodness that things are starting to ease up. And especially in Minnesota. I think Governor Walls of Minnesota definitely was backed into a corner because um, between those protests, which were bullshit protests, I was doing some research on them. They were started by some douchebags in from the tea, like from the old Tea Party, they were a bunch of dumb Republicans that like started a bunch of these different protests around around the states. But they and they like anal or um, tried to make the assumption that like it was just people who wanted to open everything up. But it was it had like a very conservative base and a person who was 
starting everything. And it was just gross. It was really gross to find that out. Because while I agree partly the protests, I, I just think that's like not the way to go about it. It's just a couple of washed up like Republican commentators. They were two brothers and they were just, they were just D-bags. I don't even want to get into it because it makes me annoyed. But anyway, um, but what I was saying, like especially in Minnesota, man, like I would say the reason half the people stay here during the winter is so that they can enjoy the summer. And you're, and you're taking that away from us. You've taken that freedom from us to be able to enjoy the only good weather that Minnesota gets. taking that freedom in that pursuit of happiness to enjoy our lives. That's what the government's done. It's really disgusting. And I'm glad that they're starting to see the error in their ways. And I'm starting to, I'm glad to see that there's, there's more checks and balances that, that governors are not just running roughshod over their states and are continuing to enact their uh, executive privileges of of staying in power and, and calling these emergencies. I'm glad that um, the different courts are striking down governors across different states, Wisconsin being uh, one that I that I saw recently. It's nice to see that there's these checks and balances. I think that's a good place to end it. Thank you all so much for listening. Please reach out to me on social media. Um, I love hearing your guys' feedback. Uh, it's at Shaped Ideas on Facebook and Instagram and at Shaped Ideas. Or wait. <laughs> wow, I already effed up my own read. <laughs> uh, please reach out to me on social media. It's at Shaped Ideas Podcast on Facebook and Twitter and at Shaped Ideas. Oh my God, I am just struggling. Too deep, too deep by me um, on that last topic and it just threw me off. On Facebook and Instagram is at Shaped Ideas Podcast. On Twitter, it's at Shaped Ideas. I love your guys' feedback. Um, please reach out to me. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on this one. I really enjoyed making this podcast episode, um, so I'd love to hear your guys' feedback on everything. Uh, you can find my podcast on pretty much anywhere. Anywhere podcasts are uh, hosted. You can find it on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, um, the TuneIn Radio app and a bunch of others. Um, So once again, thank you all so much for listening, and I will talk to you guys next time.